The Shady Hoosier Detective Agency Ghost Busting Mystery Episode 19 Chapter 19 Dickie Freeman kept his word. He picked up the Impala for repairs and an inspection with a promise to return it within the week. I hated to see the Chevy go, but Dickie wasn't charging us one red cent. He had even snagged us a replacement radiator from the junkyard at a senior discount. The problem was Vini and I had no wheels. Or so I thought. Vini informed me otherwise. Looky what Dickie made us, she said. We were at the office catching up on paperwork. Vini tugged me up by the hand. We went out on the sidewalk together. What in tarnation? I said when I saw what had Vini so excited. It's a two-seater go-kart, she beamed. And looky, it takes gasoline. She pointed to a gas tank that had been mounted on the chassis. Got an engine and lights and a toot horn. She squeezed a bell horn. It sounded like a rhinoceros with a cold. The seats were molded plastic orange seats, like the ones they had at the bus station. A roll bar protected the seat cage. There was a white wicker basket behind the two seats, big enough to haul around a couple of bags of groceries. It runs? I asked. It wasn't the prettiest thing. It appeared to be welded from a hodgepodge of parts. Part lawnmower, part bicycle part dune buggy, all Vini. Runs up to 30 miles per hour, she said proudly. Street legal? Well, Dickie said I don't need no license long as I stay off the highway. That was good since Vini had lost her license for mowing down a few too many parking meters. I always drove because I had a license, but also because Vini drove like she was auditioning for the Indy 500. Danica Patrick had nothing on her. Except eyesight. Vini couldn't see worth pig crap. It was only six blocks from our house to work. Everything we needed was downtown. The Hoosier feed bag for groceries. The bank, across the street from the office. Pokies down the alley. The Roadkill Cafe was only three blocks away. As long as it didn't rain, we could scoot around on Vini's go-kart perfectly fine. Vini hadn't wrecked the Harley, so surely she could handle this baby. Not like I had much choice. I wasn't about to take Junior's Harley anywhere. I'd never gotten the hang of driving a motorbike. My only other transportation option was my grown son, Eddie who lived in a repurposed bunny-bread delivery truck. And at my age, I refused to be delivered to anyone's doorstop like day-old bread. I reckon it will do. I was still inspecting the thing. It didn't seem to have any brakes. When Harry sauntered down the sidewalk, What in the Sam Hill is that? He bent down and duck-walked around the contraption. It's mine, said Vini proudly. Don't doubt that, said Harry. It looks like you. I mean, what's it for? Driving, 
Show me, said Harry. Vini climbed in the driver's seat. She put on her red IU football helmet, the one she had bought for ghost busting, and strapped it tight to her chin. She pulled the starter coil on the go-kart and it backfired and spat like a lawnmower on its last leg. It rattled and rumbled. She released a lever. The thing shot out of the parking spot and down the street. Last we saw Vini, she was rolling on two wheels around the corner toward the library. We lost sight of her, but could still hear her. She sounded like a giant wasp. Boots drove around the corner. He pulled over and powered down his window. What in the name of hell was that? He asked, looking at me. He had been wearing his cop sunglasses, but yanked them off so he could look me in the eye. What? I asked. That thing just blew past me. Looked like Vini was driving. He hitched a thumb over his shoulder. Oh, that. Go-kart. She can't be driving that thing on the street. Why don't you talk to her about that? She never listens. Boy, was that an understatement. You need something? I asked. He slid over into a parking space and unfolded out of the cruiser. I was just down at the covered bridge. You find the gremlin? No. It was there yesterday. Not today. He adjusted his gun belt. Thought I'd go over to the Hoosier feed bag. See if Pooter Johnson is set up in the back parking lot. Pooter was often there, selling leftover produce he bogarted after the fields had been gleaned. Last week, he'd had some kick-ass early asparagus. I'd bought some cheap right before old man Butler, who ran the Hoosier Feedbag Produce Department, had rolled in to close Pooter down. Let me know if you find out anything, I said as Harry and I headed back into the office. I spent a dreary afternoon in the office with Harry, catching up with the paperwork. Dode called about closing time and broke up the humdrum. They're back! He sounded breathless. The ghosts? Yep. Saw them swinging their big butts around about dawn this morning. In the house? Nah, the orchard. Same as before? Exact same. Been keeping my eye on the place. Just a few minutes ago, heard some commotion over there. What kind of commotion? Hard to say. Like... Catawalin. Big time. Given how many stray cats lived around that mansion, I could see a hissy cat fight or two breaking out easy enough. You want me to come out? Sure would appreciate that. Bring that lady medium. They seem to like her. I wasn't sure like was the word I would have chosen, but whatever was going on in that mansion... Candy seemed able to tease it out and into talking. Unfortunately, Candy wasn't booked yet. We were still waiting for her to feel the spirit. 
I asked Harry if he'd give me a ride out to Dode's place. He leaned back in his chair and tightened his tie, which he'd let go loose while doing the paperwork. Thought the seance was later. It is, but Dode says the ghosts are back. Now. I don't know, said Harry. He looked a little white around the edges. His mustache tightened. He reached in his desk drawer and pulled out a gun and shoulder holster. He strapped it on before slipping it into his jacket. He grabbed a handful of bullets from the desk drawer and stuffed them into his vest pocket. Thought you didn't believe in ghosts, I said as we locked up. He mumbled something about me being old and half crazy and how it was his sworn job to protect me. Yeah, like he was fooling me. I kept my pie hole closed and climbed into Harry's Toyota. It felt kind of nice to be riding shotgun again. By the time we reached Dode's farmhouse, it was tending toward dusk. Dode was in his customary place on the porch, his rifle resting across his knees. He had a pitcher of well water on the table. A couple of stray cats sat on the porch rail. They ran when they saw me and Harry coming toward them. Any more action? I asked as we climbed the steps. He spat into a Mountain Dew can. Nah, quiet over there. Think they heard me calling you up. You ever see a light on in that house? I asked. Nah, just the orchard. Where exactly? I asked. Can you take us over, point out the spot? Sure, Cad. Dode got up and straightened his back a bit. He offered us flashlights and then took off down the steps, climbing sideways like a crab. If that hip hurt him, he never complained. And it didn't seem to slow him down any once he got ambling along. We stopped in the back of the orchard, close to the back porch of the mansion. There were still a few strands of yellow police tape fluttering in the apple trees close to the porch. The wind had kicked up. The house shutters were creaking a little. About here, said Dode. He stopped and ran his flashlight in a wide circle. I clicked on my flashlight and walked toward the area Dode had highlighted. It was close to the house, behind the pile of boards and tin rubble. A place Vini and I had not searched before. Harry took a flashlight from Dode and swung his beam to the right of mine. What are you looking for? asked Dode. Ghost slime? Not sure, I confessed. Anything odd, I reckon. Harry yelled from the other side of the tree. Dang it to hell! What's wrong? I asked, swinging my light his way. Gopher holes all over the place. Twisted my ankle. Dode and I walked over. We shone our lights onto the grass under Harry's feet. Not gophers, Dode said. Nope, not gophers. How can you tell? asked Harry, who was a city boy. Look how big these here holes are. Dode dug a boot into a hole and his booted foot disappeared up to his ankle. And there ain't no tuttle between them. I looked closer. He was right. There were a lot of holes, and they were big, 
but there were no little heaved-up lines of dirt connecting them. Gophers tunneled close to the surface. All underground varmints did. I asked Dode what he figured made the holes. I reckon it was ghosts, he said. He was over by the house now. There were a pile of old boards. Also, a pile of rusted tin sheets stacked a couple of feet high. He kicked a few things aside before dropping down on one knee to dig in the ground with his pocket knife. He uncovered a partially buried pair of shovels and a pair of large lights, camping lanterns that had high-intensity beams. Harry drug the shovels and lights out of the pile. He brushed off one of the lights and flicked on a switch. The light beamed out over the orchard. Dode's eyes lit up. That what you've been seeing at night, Dode? I asked. Reckon it might be, he said. Harry swung the light around the exterior of the house. Everything looked dark and sealed up tight. He moved the light across the ground and ran it over the trash pile. We could see some shoe prints over in the corner in the damp sand. We couldn't make out much in the way of the type or size of the shoe, though. Harry grunted. He shoved his hat back on his head. I don't think ghosts use high-beam flashlights. Or wear shoes, I said. <laughs>